Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our big Bucks browns preview. First Energy Stadium, 1 o'clock on Sunday. Tom Brady's probably final game in Cleveland. We've got Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times coming up. He will give us a Bucks preview. Lance Reisland's Bucks scouting report coming up as well. Uh, you'll hear our prop bets. You'll hear our picks. That's all coming up at the tail end of this pod. But first... As we always do, it's Mary Kay Cabot. It's Ashley Bastock. We are going to give you three things you need to know for this game. Mary Kay, why don't you lead us off? You know, I just can't help but, you know, think about Tom Brady coming in here for what we've talked about. Will probably be the last time Browns fans can see him play here in Cleveland. Uh, He's starting to heat up with some of his guys. And, you know, he's got some pretty big name receivers over there in uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones. I mean, those are some all-stars on that uh, on that offense. And he's starting to find them a little bit. He's back in his element somewhat. We know he's not taking sacks. Uh, we know he's not throwing interceptions. And so I think that's the thing to watch. The Browns are going to try to hope that they can get Greg Newsom back, but they're not sure they will have him back. So therefore, they will be a little bit shorthanded uh, at cornerback against some of these you know, good, big, fast receivers. And so that's my thing to watch is Tom and that trio of receivers. Ashley, is this Tom Brady's last game in Cleveland or will he be rolling into Cleveland at age 53 still with like four more championship rings, one in Tampa? I mean, never say never. Am I right? Like, I don't know. That guy's like, I I don't know. Mary Kay knows. I have a lot of theories though about Giselle Boonchin and like, you know, obviously they're divorced now. Um, and I don't, I don't know without her, can he do it? I don't, I don't think so. So I'm going to go with, yes, it is the last time he is going to be here. But with Giselle, if Giselle was still there, God love her, maybe that would be a, a this is not the last time. See, I, I'm just the opposite. Like, what else does he have to do? What is Tom Brady going to do in retirement? Like, at least before it was like, maybe Giselle was, was going to like, Tom, you've got to stop playing football. But now it's—I don't even know. You can't do the crypto thing anymore. That's like. There's some, but there's some unexplainable things. I will say. I know Dan, you're not a big TikTok guy, but for anyone interested, go look at the TikTok theories about this and Giselle calling her power back, and that's why you know some of these crazy plays have happened this season for the Bucks. Okay, that, that's fair. So. <laughs> 
yeah, look, Tom Brady, this is the story this week, his last game in Cleveland. I, I know that's there's probably not any real significance to that for him, but you know, for anyone who this is their last chance to see Tom Brady in person, he's one of those guys that it really does kind of live up to the hype. Uh, we were here when he came back from the suspension uh, back in 2016. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Jacoby was on that team too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember kind of staking him out down in the, the tunnel waiting for him to walk out. Uh, and I actually saw a video recently pop up in one of those weird like social media memories things of him and Jimmy G walking out uh, onto the field together. So just, yeah, look, Tom Brady's still got it. I think that's sort of the overarching thing, right, Mary? Mm-hmm. Like Tom Brady, age 45, this isn't 2007 when the, the Patriots had one of the best offenses ever, but the guy's, the guy's still got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Miles and Jadavian can do against him. They're going to need to try to get to him, get him off his mark. He's, he, at times this season, hasn't necessarily trusted his protection, uh, and he's gotten the ball rid of the ball a little bit too quickly. So are they going to be able to do that? Can they block Miles? Uh, can Miles try to wreck the game? Uh, you know, that's what he needs to do. In a game of this magnitude, if you really do believe that you have some kind of a chance to still keep this train chugging along, then then he's going to have to step up and wreck the game. And can he do that? That's uh, what will determine uh, how Tom Brady performs. Okay, Ashley, what, uh, what do people need to know for this game? Uh, people need to know that this is very likely the wrong game for the Browns to be thin at center. And to say they're thin right now is an understatement. But let's start with the Bucks side of things, because in the center of that defensive line, they have Vita Vea, who has six and a half sacks this year. Now, I will say we are recording this on Wednesday. He did not practice today with a foot injury, so if he does not play, they will get a little break by not having to deal with an absolutely huge human. There is no other way to describe him at 6'4", 347. I have his PFF page, so maybe the official Bucks page has slightly higher measurements up. Um, But he is a problem this year with getting after quarterbacks. And the Browns right now, obviously we know Ethan Posick just went on IR earlier this year. He started every game at center. He hadn't missed a snap for them until that Bills game when he got his knee injury. Um, Nick Harris, of course, who won the starting job in theory, had been out since the first preseason game when he suffered a season-ending knee injury. Um, shortly after that, center Dawson Deaton, who you know they took a chance on in the seventh round this year, he suffered a season-ending knee injury two days later. So that left them to go to Yelda Froholt on Sunday, who some some key mistakes for Yelda, who's done a nice job this year in different situations for the Browns. Um, obviously, the fumbled snap. Um, obviously they did not convert on third and one and fourth and one chances with Jacoby Brissett uh, sneaks. And he got a huge false start call that derailed a drive towards the end of the first half. It gave Buffalo the ball back. It allowed them to take a lead. So some key, key mistakes in that Bills game from him, but he didn't practice on Wednesday with an illness. So who knows who is going to be playing center for the Browns this weekend. For all we know, it could be Joel Batonio or something crazy who they have to move around the line. Um, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I think it's the most underrated position in the game, and the Browns are just in a world of hurt right now there. Mary Kay, you could have given me a thousand tries to name to name people who would come up on this podcast, and Dawson Deaton would not 
have made that. I would not have thrown that name out there. Yeah. But yeah, you, you know, at least he's a center. You that's know, a, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a blast from the past. I'm impressed. But yeah, Mary Kay, look, the center position. Ethan Pochich was playing really well. Like mm-hmm. a, one of the pleasant surprises of this season because that was Nick Harris's job, like Ashley mentioned. And all of a sudden, Ethan Pochich gets thrown in there. Seemed to really fit in well. You actually kind of wondered, like, would he maybe take that job long term uh, at this point? Now you're scrambling, and maybe the Browns get a break here. Maybe. But if they don't, they, they could be in trouble because Vita Vea is having an incredible season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's only Wednesday when we're taping this, so he's got some time to recover. But Todd Bowles was making no guarantees whatsoever that he's going to uh, be able to play. Uh, it would be an enormous, enormous break. And no matter how you slice it, they're going to try to exploit a backup center. They're going to try to attack it now that they know uh, that whoever is in there is either going to be new or not very experienced at the position. So that is going to be something to watch. Now, last week, um, they they had one fumbled exchange, and it was costly. Uh, and they're going to have to really, the Browns, Jacoby, and his center, they're going to have to work really hard uh, to try not to let that happen again. Because the Browns, when they don't win the turnover battle, are 0-6, and that's just been a huge issue this season. They cannot be turning the ball over, and that is definitely something to watch. Okay, so I'm going to go with the other quarterback in this because you know we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit in the prop bets and the picks, but I don't know. This is like, this is it for Jacoby Brissett. This is his last start. Now, you know, um, maybe something happens and he has to start again down the road, I, but this is his last start this season. And we all sort of knew this was coming. He knew this was coming, but there is sort of a, a moment here, Mary Kay, to sort of take a step back and like Jacoby Brissett has been really good for this team. Mm-hmm. He's had his mistakes He's thrown some interceptions, um, but he's certainly for me, he's done more than I would have ever expected him to do. You know, we did a pod way back, I think after they beat Pittsburgh, and the headline was, is this sustainable from Jacoby Brissett? And that level really wasn't, but when you consider kind of where he's at and what he's done, and especially the way he played on Sunday against the Bills, the Browns can't be disappointed at all in what Jacoby Brissett has given them. No, not at all. And I wrote a whole column about this today on Wednesday, just about how, um, you know, he's done more than his share of what he needed to do uh, to hold down the fort and to get this team to where it needed to be, which was they wanted it to be relevant in the playoff scenario when Deshaun Watson came, came back. He did his part. The defense didn't do its part. The special teams didn't do its part. If those two units had given Jacoby Brissett the help that he needed and set him up with some good field position with some long returns or maybe one a couple more games with some you know game-winning field goals or if the defense could have gotten some more interceptions, some more forced fumbles, let him start some drives at midfield, right? I mean, the average field position needed to be better. Everybody needed to pitch in and rally and help him as much as they could. He did everything he needed to do. Uh, they should have at least two more victories right now. They don't because of the defense and the special teams, and it's unfortunate for him. He deserved a better supporting cast than, than what he got, and uh, and I think he did show enough to possibly go somewhere and start next season. There are a bunch of teams right now that have quarterback situations in a state of flux, and if Geno Smith – 
can go out and do what he's done in Seattle, then certainly Jacoby Brissett deserves to have a starting job. And and I, I just think he, he's been tremendous. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that he's a great leader. This team does not have very many great leaders. He is a great leader. Ashley, I have thoroughly enjoyed the Jacoby Brissett experience, which is not something I was sure I was going to be saying, yeah. um, you know, three, four months ago. Yeah, and I'm going to bring back an old Scott Patsko line here where Jacoby Brissett might be his best argument for wins and losses not being a quarterback <laughs> stat. Like, truly, because like you guys said, I don't think we could have asked for much more from him. I get, you know, I especially get the fans' frustration because you got so much out of him and the rest of this team, you know, in a lot of ways, not, you know, with the defense and the special teams, the other phases of the game, in large part wasted it, like wasted so many opportunities. And and it could very well at this point where things are at three and seven result in another lost year for this franchise. And it just is you know, I think so unfortunate because he did prove himself. You know, I think there are a lot of teams who are in worse quarterback situations right now um, that wish they had Jacoby Brissett, which I don't know that we thought we would say at certain points of this journey. But, you know, Jacoby's a charismatic guy. He's a leader. He is somebody who you understand why players respect the way you do. He's funny. He's blunt. He's all these things. And he, I think just from a physical perspective, has done more than what the Browns even should have had to ask from him. And he's come through a lot of times. He's, he's been a pro like the whole, yeah. the whole time. And in a week when like, you know, Zach Wilson obviously has, has come under fire for, you know, not taking ownership of things on Sunday. And, you know, I mentioned this on our Wednesday pod. I think it was Dan Orlovsky was on ESPN and I, I was watching while I was kind of waiting to, to do something the other day. And he, the line he had, this was regarding Zach Wilson, was when you're the quarterback and things go well, it's we. And when things go poorly, it's me. And Jacoby Brissett has really sort of embraced that. And I, you know, I think that role, especially coming off of, you know, the year they just had with Baker Mayfield, um, this was, this was what the Browns sort of needed, Mary Kay. The only unfortunate thing is it just didn't come with more wins. Yeah, he was exactly what they needed. And again, uh, when you think about him stepping up and and speaking out after the Patriots game and really vowing that he was going to dig deep and do whatever he could, urging everybody else to do the same, uh, those are leadership qualities. But then also, uh, and I asked JOK about this today, JOK lockers next to him, they sit next to each other and you hear the witty banter that goes on. And he, you know, he has a really funny way of, of sort of teasing and ribbing JOK. And you need some of that too. You know, you need a guy like that. He's just so easy to be with. Uh, he's also been a really good friend to Deshaun Watson. He's been a really good friend to Deshaun Watson. Those two guys are really close. And I think that that's sort of an unspoken, underrated situation that's been going on. Uh, Deshaun was fully on board with Jacoby being the backup. And those two guys have been there for each other. And it's a pretty tight quarterback room, and and Jacoby is a huge reason for that. This has got to be bittersweet for him. He knew it was going to be time to hand it over. Uh, it's got to hurt. Uh, he's poured his heart and soul into this, and he's just been everything they could have wanted and more. 
Okay, there you go. Your things to know, uh, things you need to know for Sunday when the Browns face the Bucks. We're going to keep going here on our Browns versus Buccaneers preview pod. Rick Stroud is coming up on the other side from the Tampa Bay Times to preview the Bucks. Then we've still got prop bets coming up. We've still got Lance Reisland's scouting report coming up. And then at the very end, our game picks. And Doug Maurice, even though he's swamped with Ohio State Michigan stuff this week, he sent us his pick as well. So uh, Mary Kay and I talk to Rick Stroud on the other side. Ashley will rejoin us after that, along with Irie Harris. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We now welcome on Rick Stroud to give us a preview of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rick, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Looking forward to being back in Cleveland. That sounds weird, but I actually am. It's one of my one of my favorite uh, uh, ball yards and places to go. Yeah, well, we can't wait to see you. And, uh, of course, we cannot wait to see what Tom Brady is up to this season. Uh, so give us a little idea of just how he's been playing lately uh, and what you are expecting from him on Sunday. Yeah, you know, Mary Kay, he's been playing better of late, and they probably – came off their most complete game since the opener when they played in Germany against Seattle. Um, you know, it's, as, as you know, on and off the field, it's, it's been quite a um, up and down year for Tom Brady. And I think that, uh, you know, when they had lost two games in a row in about four days, the last one being a Thursday night game against the Ravens, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and, and especially with him, they talking to guys in New England that covered him. He sat at his locker for a good 15 minutes uh, in full uniform with his head between his legs. And the next day, you know, his divorce was, was uh, announced and final. And um, you could just see that there was a lot of weight on him, not on him physically, unfortunately. He's probably lost about 20 pounds. But, um, you know, he was really struggling, I think, emotionally uh, off the field. And then on the field, uh, you know, they, they just weren't playing well uh, offensively. They, they couldn't run the football. Um, they've had offensive line changes. And he's missed receivers and there was just nothing really going well for them. So, um, you know, for them to have really one good quarter against the Rams and he brought him back in a two minute situation really twice uh, and got him in the end zone to win that game. And then I think, like I said, their most complete game, they ran the football and that, that's been the thing, you know, Byron Leftwich has been under fire, but they finally got the running game going. And I think that really made all the difference. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about Tom, but since you brought up the run game, that has been the Browns' Achilles heel here throughout the season. Teams that traditionally haven't run the ball have come in and put up season highs against this team. So it sounds like Tampa is one of those teams that would be willing to just kind of run right at this defense if that's what they think they can do. Yeah, no question. I mean, and that's that's really what they've been trying to do, uh, and they got to try to build on some of that momentum, even though they've had a bye week. I think the key change has been a couple of them um, one, you know, the beginning of the year, they went with a, a rookie from Central Michigan, Luke Gedeke, who just really struggled at guard. Um, and he was a second round pick. And we know how how general managers fall in love with their draft picks. Uh, but he finally was replaced by Nick Levert, who isn't a great uh, all pro guard by any shakes. But, you know, he, he's been in the league and, and, and he was uh, better than Luke was. And that sort of helped their running game a little bit. And then the other thing 
they finally gave a lot of carries to uh, Rashad White, who's a you know kid from Arizona State that uh, is coming off a you know just a, a great game. He got 22 carries. I think he ran for over 100 yards. Um, had the angry run on Good Morning Football uh, with a stiff arm that everybody saw. And, and I think he gives them a little bit more explosion. They're both obviously big basketball. Leonard Burnett, who's who's nicked up right now, has a hip pointer. Um, but those two moves sort of got the run game going, I think. And, you know, when you got a 45-year-old quarterback, man, he, you know, a year ago he set um, a career high with 719 pass attempts. And he didn't want to do that this year. And he's actually on was on pace to, to exceed it. Um, so they needed to find a way to get some balance in the offense and protect him. So he threw it 25 times, I think, in the last game. That's sort of where they want to be. But I'm, I'm with you. I think they're going to come in. They're going to try to run the football. People have done that against Cleveland, slow down the pass rush. Obviously, those two edge guys are a problem. So uh, I'd be surprised if that wasn't the game plan. I'm sure the Browns know it, too. And, you know, as uh, as those receivers go, Tom goes. So tell us, you know, who's hot? How, how are the receivers doing? And, you know, who is he finding a, a great connection with right now? Well, I mean, he's got his guys, right? He's got Mike Evans, who's been as consistent as any player in the league over the last you know, nine or ten, nine years now. Had a thousand yards every season, probably will do it again. Uh, but Mike can't do it by himself. And he's double teamed a lot. Chris Godwin, you know, started the year uh, coming off an ACL, MCL injury. And, you know, it, it was unrealistic to think he could be the same player. I think and we all know it takes time for those guys to gain confidence. And so, you know, even though he was out there and he, he got nicked up for a little while, missed a couple of games, and it's kind of been a revolving cast at the third receiver because Julio Jones, for all the things he did in the offseason and even in the first game against Dallas, got hurt his knee, missed a lot of time. But now he's back and he's completed the last two games, which is a big deal for Julio, uh, and had a uh, had his first touchdown uh, over in Germany. He looked really good doing it. He ran a crossing route. He was fast. Uh, he was physical at the goal line. And so, you know, trying to find that third receiver to take the pressure and the double teams off of Godwin and Mike Evans has been key. So uh, as long as they got those three guys on the football field, and they've got other guys too, um, I think that's going to be, you know, sort of uh, what's important in the passing game going forward because it's just too easy. Tom was not trusting protection, getting rid of the ball really fast, not letting stuff develop down the field. Uh, and so, you know, having them healthy – and together is is uh, is a big deal. So you mentioned the protection, and that was one of the big stories coming into this year with Ryan Jensen getting hurt, uh, some losses in free agency. Uh, but it, yeah. it, it seems like Tom is starting to to trust that protection a little more now. Well, yeah, I, I guess he is, and and you know, a run game will do that for you in play action. But uh, he he did not want to have another season, you know, of throwing the ball as much as he did. I mean, there is a difference. You say, well, you know. He, threw it 719 times at age 44, what's the big deal? But to him, it is a big deal. And losing Jensen, somebody who's right at his feet, that's the quickest path to the quarterback, obviously. Um, that that bothers any quarterback. It really bothers him. Um, so, you know, as the season has gone on and, and, and he starts to trust more guys up front, um, he's, staying in, he's staying in there a little longer. You know, he had, Like I said, he was playing hot potato with the football. I mean, they had more – you know, three and four yard completions. He could complete three passes and they'd be punting. I mean, it was incredible how, you know, teams were playing cover two, don't anybody get behind you. And then there were, you know, nine guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage just just sitting on every every underneath route. And Tom wasn't given any time 
uh, or letting there be any time to develop stuff down the field. So um, I think he's starting to protect, uh, trust his protection a little bit. Uh, and that that should help him, um, you know, try to attack a little bit more. I've been reading over some of the defensive statistics. They look really good. Um, so let's move over to the other side of the ball here a little bit uh, and tell us what to expect from this defense. Uh, I think they might not have practiced today as we're taping this on Wednesday. Uh, he obviously, uh, you know, leads with six and a half sacks. But uh, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what to expect from from these defenders. Yeah, well, if Vita Vea doesn't play, that's that's a big story um, because he's probably or he has had his best year rushing the passer. And, and I think the key in these last few games, you know, for the last two three years, really, uh, Todd Bowles has had um, one of the top, if not the top, run defense in the league. And the reason is he's had two really, uh, you know, big seven hundred pounds almost worth of defensive tackle, whether it was in Domicon Sue and Vita, and now Akeem Hicks and Vita Bay. And Hicks missed a lot of time. Uh, but he's been back the last two weeks, and that, that's been really the best run defense they've played because when you have those two guys inside, you know, it takes uh, really four men uh, or, you know, to, to try to to try to try protect, and uh, that allows the edge rushers to get off. Now, they've lost Jack Barrett, who was an elite pass rusher in this league. You can't really replace him, uh, so that that's not a good thing. But of late, uh, they've stopped the run, and it all begins there. And then Todd, you know, will dial up all kinds of, of blitzes and things like that. Uh, the linebackers are, the, are, are among the strength of the team. You know, when Devin White is engaged the way he was in Germany, um, he's as good a player as there is in the league. He's been player of the month in September. He was player of the week after the Germany game. So he has elite talent. And then the other the guy that's helped him against the run is Antoine Winfield Jr. Might have been their best player on defense consistently because they moved him sort of, uh, you know, from the safety position uh, to, to kind of a nickel corner in the slot on on uh, on on many downs, and he's been able to, even though he's the smallish guy, he's tough as hell, and he's been able to, to you know, create a lot of tackles for losses, uh, some interceptions, and, and really you know be able to cover some guys underneath. So uh, that's sort of been the formula, and um, like I said, but the heat, the health of Vita Vea uh, is 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 a story if he's unable to play for sure. So obviously winning can cure a lot of things. So so what are the feelings in Tampa right now coming off the bye week, a couple wins in a row? Obviously very different, but I think everyone kind of remembers a few years ago when the Bucks came out of the bye and went on their run. What is the feeling right now around the team? Well, it's a hell of a lot better than it was a couple of weeks ago. I can tell you that. I mean, this team was lost. Uh, they, they, they went to Pittsburgh and lost to a rookie quarterback. Uh, they went to Carolina and lost to P.J. Uh, at quarterback there. So I, I just think that when you win, you know, uh, and you guys know this, that games have momentum and I think seasons have momentum and they just couldn't establish any. They won the first two games, everything looked okay. And then they hit uh, quite a lull there, but now they've won two in a row. Uh, it, it's not a good division. Everybody's beaten up on the NFC South. Uh, five and five is, is the best record right now. But still, if they were to lose to Cleveland and Atlanta wins, they're they're not in first place anymore. So, um, you know, I, I think they they feel better about themselves, but it's only really five good quarters of football that they've put together. So they need to start stacking them. But you're right. Tom Brady has always said that the best teams um, will start to play better after Thanksgiving. And some teams some teams will wilt. Some teams will feel like, well, we just can't get there. Um, so you're going to start to see in these next month and a half, two months who that is. But 
Um, I think they feel good about themselves, but it's a week-to-week league, as you guys know. So uh, we'll see what happens Sunday. Where do you think uh, Tom Brady is right now from an emotional standpoint? I mean, do you think that, uh, you know, he's kind of come to grips with the divorce and everything? I mean, do you feel like, uh, you know, he's able to function better on the football field now than he was maybe a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, you know, I can't get inside his head, Mary Kay, but it just seems to me his demeanor has changed uh, from that night uh, when they lost to the Ravens in the days divorce. Uh, being final and and anyone's been through uh, anything like that, especially when children are involved, it, it's 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 very emotional uh, for everyone because you're kind of changing the trajectory of their lives too. It's not it's not just you. And and as as public of a figure as he is, you know, a celebrity quarterback uh, married to a supermodel wife, um, you know, with with respect to his family and his children. Uh, he's just a dad and a father and and, and all of that. And so uh, I I think that weighed on him a lot. Uh, And I think that once you have a plan, at least uh, with respect to, you know, uh, things like custody and, and, you know, and and where they're living and and where they're going to school or how they're going to continue on going forward. And it's been very amicable that way. I just feel like he's past all that. Right. Um, You're not making phone calls to lawyers. You're not, um, in any kind of dispute about anything. And he his demeanor has changed. Now, winning helps too, um, but uh, it's a chicken and the egg thing. I, I really do believe that we're going to look back at this season and, and you know, just, just the way he's uh, sort of the joy has come back to Tom Brady, uh, I think was needed. And it seems like at least that uh, he's in a better headspace for sure. And who wouldn't be, right, with what he's been through? Okay, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Rick, where can everybody find your work? Uh, same place as always, the TampaBay.com. Um, you can also uh, – I have a podcast, uh, Sports Day Tampa Bay, that we do five days a week. So, yeah, I'm pretty much uh, right where I've been for a while. All right, great. We're going to take a break here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Rick, thanks for the time. Thanks, thanks guys. Rick. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks again to Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times for joining us here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is time now for props and picks. We're going to start with prop bets, then Lance Reisland is going to offer his scouting report on the Bucks, and then we're going to make our game picks after that. So, Ashley Bastock is back. Irie Harris is joining us. Let's get to it. We are recording this, uh, as is the theme on this pod. We are recording this on Wednesday, so um, take Keep that in mind as we go through these. Some of these prop bets we're going to make up as we go. Here's a question I should have asked before I hit record, but we were busy talking about other things. Who's got a good one? Who's hmm. Who's got a good one for us? Anybody? I mean, I can... I don't I know if it's good, out, but I have them. one. That's fine. Our standards <laughs> um, are low here on the Wednesday yeah. before Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I just did this nice little story, things to know about the Bucks, and the reason I like doing those stories is because it allows me to kind of learn about the Bucks, and and I'm I'm kind of sensing patterns this season in terms of the Browns, right? And one of those patterns is that some of the best passing offenses in the league have decided to not pass against the Browns because the run defense is so bad and instead run against them. And it has worked. All of those teams I'm thinking of chargers, the dolphins sneakily, the bills have all beat the Browns. Um, So I am going to go with a little Leonard Fournette prop bet. 
Um, he has not ran, ran for a ton of yards this year, mainly because the Bucks have thrown the most passes of anybody in the league. Tom Brady is leading the league in passes attempted and in passes completed currently. Um, but I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette rushing for 50 yards against the Browns. Now, keep in mind, the Bucks are also coming off their best rushing performance of the year so far. I believe they just put up like 161 yards or something like that against the Seahawks. I'll double check that while somebody else is talking. Um, They're coming off their bye week. And I think they're going to be smart enough to, Tom's going to be able to pick them apart where he can, but they're going to try to run on the front of this defense that has not been able to stop it all year. So I think 50 is like, I don't know, it's not a lot, but I would take the over on it. Okay, so Leonard Fournette, and just so we we know as we're recording this, he was limited with a hip injury. Todd Bowles was pretty uh, pretty slippery talking about whether Fournette would play, but um, 57 yards in Germany. Uh, he's at a 63 of 56, uh, 127 and 65 to start the year for playoff Lenny. I am going to, I guess I'm going to take the, over here because I think the Bucks will try and, and pound the football, but they've also been, it's been more than just Leonard Fournette as well. Recently um, they've been using, uh, I'm, I'm actually looking it up right now. <laughs> Alive Rash, uh, Rashad white had 22 carries for one Oh five um, against the Seahawks. So I don't know though. I'm with you, Ashley. I think the Bucks are going to look at this defense and say, we've got to try and run the football. Like we, we just have to, or it'll go like the bills game where they might come out and try to throw. And if it doesn't work, they'll just say, okay, we're done with this. We're going to start running. We're going to test this run defense. So I definitely could see Lenny uh, going over 50 in this game, a big, powerful back, Mary Kay. Yeah. You know what? I, I think so too. 50 just doesn't even sound like that much to me. When you've got two backs who weren't doing much last week, each getting 86 yards, of course, some of it will be dependent on how the game goes and can you, sustain the run but uh if if they get ahead then they're going to be able to run and i just think that um that 50 just it's it's not too much to ask for a uh you know for a defense that's really really been struggling as we know they've surrendered 160 yards or more on five occasions out of their last seven games all losses so you know i you know i really think that todd bowles who's really good uh a really good mind just in terms of being a head coach is going to know what to do here. He's going to try to cram it down their throats until they prove they can stop it. So they made some changes last week. Um, you know, Sione Takitaki is now basically the, the middle linebacker and um, JOK is back. And I thought he had a pretty good game, but, um, but I still think that that Leonard can get 50 plus. Irie, what do you think? Leonard Fournette over 50? Are you going with us or against us here? I am going with y'all because, and also, I think Ashley, I think you're, you're being a little too generous just keeping it at 50. You know, this is a, a unit that where Austin Eckley had more, more yards again uh, in a single game compared to the first four games combined in the season. 
They allowed Jeff Wilson Jr., who wasn't even a Dolphin for two weeks, to go off for 100-plus rushing yards. I think 50 is too generous of, of a number, and that's what I'm going to go over with that because not only do are we losing confidence in, in this run defense, but they're losing confidence in their own run defense. Grady Williams was speaking, you know, after the game, he even said himself, our run defense is overexposed and all, this, uh, all the opposing teams know it, so that's what they're going to go at. So definitely they're going to take take a shot at the run defense and say, you know what, they haven't been able to stop it all this year. Let's see how, how far we can break this down and open up opportunities, you know, for the scoring. So I'm going on with this for 50. Ashley, did you did you take the over on this? I did take the okay. over on this. Um, and, no, to Irie's point, I did think about setting this higher, but – knowing he is limited with the hip injury i'm like yeah like i you know he did practice today which is i think you know trending in a positive direction towards him playing like you said dan they're being a bit elusive on on what his status is going to be and understandable since it's earlier in the week but yeah he just hasn't really had like a ton of a ton of those games and and they don't run it a lot so i that's kind of why i said it where i where i did and and i think he's got a nice mix of games over and under that I, I thought it was very interesting to hear multiple Browns defenders today. We heard from Taki Taki and we heard from Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. I thought it was very interesting to hear them basically admit the Bucks are going to watch the film of our defense and they're going to run at us. They're, they're going to run the football. So the Browns are expecting it. And of course, the issue there is if the Browns kind of sell out to stop the run, this is not a quarterback that you uh, you want to overexpose your, your pass defense to as well. Okay, Mary Kay, you said you had one, right? Yeah, again, you know, I don't know how good it is, but uh, <laughs> but I've, I've just been thinking about Amari Cooper. I mean, Amari's so good, and he, he's just been one of the bright spots for the Browns this season. And when you really watch the catches that he has made, I mean, my goodness, he's a good receiver. You can easily see why he is a Pro Bowl, four-time Pro Bowl receiver. I actually think that he has Hall of Fame talent. And if he were able to string together about three or four more Pro Bowls, I think that there could be there could come a day where if I'm still at it, I could be sitting in that room voting on him for the Hall of Fame. I just think that's how good he is when he goes up to catch the football and comes down with it. He just makes spectacular catches. So I am going with um an over on oh, an over under for Amari Cooper this game of 80 yards now did you have him pulled up there real quick Dan or I did I yes I've got him okay so um how many times has he done that this season four times four times he has gone over 80 yards this season so four out of the 10 games that they have played he's done that now this is a good defense that they're playing it is a good defense. They're going to get their pressure. Um, they're they're going to do some really good things. It's Todd knows how to coach some defense. Um, but I still think Amari, especially with David back, they have to account for him. They've got to account for Donovan Peoples-Jones. And as Amari always says, you know, I'm not just a good route runner. I can make that contested catch, and he's proven that. So Amari, 80, over and under on that. I want to hear what you guys think first. Well, I, Irie might not believe me, but I do listen to Irie sometimes. Every now and again, I pay attention when he talks. And one of the <laughs> points he made last year, last week, when he was talking about the Amari, his Amari Cooper bet, was the Browns kind of 
one week forget about Amari, and then the next week they go hard after Amari. And this last week against Buffalo, they definitely did not forget about Amari Cooper. Uh, he had eight catches, 113 yards, the two touchdowns. But if we're going to kind of follow this pattern of like every other week, I think I'm going to take the under on 80 yards. Now, the only thing that kind of gives me pause, though, is this is Jacoby's last game as the starter. So maybe these guys want to send Jacoby out on a, you know, with a bang. And like, you know, Jacoby looks to Amari constantly, like every throw seems to go Amari Cooper's direction, it seems. Um, So there's certainly a scenario where Amari just where this offense just goes crazy because they love Jacoby Brissett and they want to send him out with a win. Still going to take the under, though. See, Irie, I listen to you. I pay attention. Thank you, Dan. That is very sweet of you. You inspired me. I hope to one day acquire the exaggerated swagger you walk into the facility with every day. <laughs> is, that, is that what it's called? <laughs> oh, no. Dan, I don't know that anyone has ever associated swagger with you. Yeah, yeah first time. First yeah. time. <laughs> when not when not when not asking me about the the, okay. the dog, yeah. Swagger yeah. Jr., the the, the long-breathing yeah. Browns mascot. Yeah. Um, no, Dan, you actually stole my point while you were talking, so I'm kind of upset now. I was I, I was thinking that I'm going to take the over because of that fact. Like, it is Jacoby Brissett's last start. I think Amari Cooper is far and away his, his favorite guy to look for downfield. Um, I I just have this feeling that Jacoby is, we're going to get another good game out of him, knowing how much this opportunity has meant to him, starting has meant to him. And I think in order for him to do that, he is going to have to look to Amari Cooper. Now, there there is the point, like we said, of, of this pattern that they have had. But I'm kind of banking on this being like weeks two and three, when against the Jets and the Steelers, he got targeted 10 and 11 times or weeks five and six, where against the Chargers and the Patriots, he got targeted 12 times. Now, he didn't make as many catches in those games, but there have been games where he's gone back-to-back double-digit targets. Um, so I'm thinking maybe we're we're going to see that again. And, and Jacoby is going to look to old reliable for his last start, his last chance to you know prove league-wide that he can be an NFL starter and and get wins now on on top of having you know some solid individual stats. Um, so I'm going to take the over on this and go with go with Mary Kay's over. I am going to go with the over not only because uh, Mary Kay said it and because everybody agreed, but also because it is Brissette's last start. And also when you think about just the whole – I don't even want to compare regarding hospital Ben said that the season is all life support because it's almost dead at this point, respectfully. But when it comes to Stefanski, it seems as if he's losing a little bit of patience and he's just trying to go to whatever, you know, works and is reliable instead of pulling a bunny out of a hat. You know, I use the example of the back-to-back QB sneaks with Brissett. That's been something that's been well all season long. So that in the midst of that moment, he just goes back to back with that. And now at this point, we're going into Brissett's last star right before Watson. He's gonna get he's gonna get a set of keeping guys warm and keeping guys within tempo and motion so that they're not just all of a sudden expected to be great once Watson goes back, but they're already within that flow. And what better time to do it than the game right before Watson comes along? And yeah, banking up with, along the fact that uh for one, since weeks two and three that he goes goes over 80 yards and and back-to-back weeks. And Brissett will definitely be looking for Cooper in this game. 
Okay, so Mary Kay, you've you've heard it. Two overs, one under. You know, I think I'm going to go over, not a lot over, but maybe just a little over, you know, 82 yards or something. You know, I just feel like uh, if you want to be winning games and you are the Cleveland Browns, you have to be getting Amari Cooper involved early and often. You have to be hitting him on those downfield shots and he's got to be scoring touchdowns. And so I'm going to go over. I think Jacoby knows uh, where his bread is buttered a little bit and it's on Coop, Coop, Coop. Okay, there we go. So I am in the minority here uh, taking the under. Sorry, Amari. I apologize. I always feel bad when I'm like the only <laughs> one that takes the under. Uh, Irie, what do you have? All right, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I was kind of thinking a little too much of the came to certain players and yards or tackles or sex. I'm like, you know what? Let's go to something I actually haven't done all season, change it up quite a bit. Let's see if this gets dug crazy or not. I'm going to go with total team points. Right now, DraftKings has it at a for the Browns. The over-under, the midline is 19.5 points. I'm going to go with the over. Uh, I know we're going to give later on. We're going to our game picks on what the game, how the game will be and whatnot. But I just don't, don't see this as a total fluid you know, game offensively, somewhere more on the ugly side, but still – in the sense that the Browns will be gritty enough to put some points on the board. It's only been, I believe, twice this season where they've uh, finished a game with under 20 points. And on top of that, you have the sense of like, you know, they know what type of offense they're going up against. They know who they're going. They know what the quarterback that they're going up against. So it's a sense of keeping the ball away from long enough, but still being able to put points up on the board, along with the fact that they are, uh, I believe – at the at the moment, they're top ten in the other uh, league for points per game with twenty four a game. So even even as many losses that we spoke about with them, there's no doubt that they've been able to put points up on the board. And I don't think that should change when playing against Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think Tampa's defense is really good, and Todd Bowles, like like you mentioned it, Mary Kay, he's a really good defensive coach. But this Browns offense has been pretty efficient, and they've scored some points. Um, you know. Uh, like, like I re-mentioned, they've only gone under 20 points twice. That was uh, at Miami and against New England. But even against Buffalo, now there was some garbage time in there, but they did get to 23 eventually. So, Irie, what, what was the number? At the moment, it is 19 and a half, and I, and I checked oh, again, yeah. and, and DraftKings didn't change up on me. Good job, DraftKings. So, you have 19 yeah, and a half. I, I think they score at least 20. Yeah, I'll... If if it would have been like twenty two or something, I I might have might have thought about the under, but I I think this team will score twenty points, so I'll take the over here. Yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, you know, the Browns are going to be at home. They it's again it's Jacoby's last start. I think he's going to leave it all out on the field. I think they're going to take some shots. I think they're going to take some risks. I think they're probably going to be able to run the ball better than they did last week. Uh, now, part of that will be dependent on if um, if Vita Vey is going to be able to play because he did not practice today. He has a foot injury. He leads them with six and a half sacks. He's amazing. Um, so I, I think that will have an impact on the game. But I still think that the Browns are going to be able to score more than 20 points. I think the weather is supposed to be pretty good. I think so, yeah. Right? So I think, you know, that that will have an impact. I'm going to go with uh, a slight over. 
Ashley, any disagreement here? No, I think I'm going to I'm going to jump on the bandwagon here as well for for similar things and I'm kind of thinking like if I think Amari Cooper is going to have a big game, I think they're going to be able to get uh surpass at least 19 and a half points, well, get to 20 points, whatever. Um so yeah, nothing nothing to add. I I think you guys all make great points. Okay, I'm going to be really boring here. But I'm I'm on a hot streak. <laughs> because I because I hit this last week. I took the Browns plus three. Was it in the first quarter? It had to be the first quarter because they were trailing at halftime. I took the Browns plus three in the first quarter. I'm doing it again. And this time it's only plus one. I'm taking the Browns plus one in the first quarter because as we've seen over and over and over again, this team loves the first 15. So much so that Amari Cooper on Sunday afternoon said, maybe we should do a first 30 or just repeat the first 15. So this team loves the first 15. They're going to come out. I have no idea how Tampa does on their opening drives. I don't care. Browns plus one in the first quarter. They'll probably take a 7 nothing lead again like they always do, and then we'll see what happens from there. You know, Mary Kay, it used to be like the Browns would have a great drive early, and I'd be like, uh-oh, I picked them to lose this game. I think I'm going to be wrong. And now it's like they have a great drive early, and I'm just a complete cynic about it. I'm like, all right, let's see. There's still, you know, two and a half hours left of, of football. Um, th- I mean, this team can still start fast, even against a good defense, right? Yeah. Yes, they can still start fast. They've got the script down, and, uh, and yeah, they definitely can do that. Um, you know, I suppose it, it depends on whether or not – part of it, I think, is going to depend on whether or not they – get the ball first but when they when they do they've got that down i mean they they've got it down so um so yeah i i think i can agree with you on this that um that they can be plus one after the first quarter you did a good job on that last week you were right about that and and they do have starting figured out they don't have finishing figured out (laughs) but they've got starting figured out so I'm with you on that. I mean, Ashley, they were out there converting third and 11s on that opening drive. Jacoby scrambled, and then he hit Amari Cooper on another one. It, it's like a completely different offense in, the, in those first couple drives. It is, again, that's why, you know, Amari Cooper joked, like you said, after the game of, oh, maybe we should script the first 30 plays. And it's like, I, I know that was kind of like, a, you know, an off-the-cuff joke, but like, no, maybe, like, can they script the first 30 plays? Because it is a, a night and day difference. You know, I did sports for Clee today. There were multiple voicemails about why do the Browns look so good uh, on script or for the first, like, drive of the game and then after that they don't it's like well because it's script and uh they don't look so good off the script and we ask them every week why that is players and kevin stefanski and no one has an answer i think if they did have an answer that wouldn't be the case um but yeah it's it's definitely the hot part of the game for them is the first quarter so dan this may be a boring bet but it might be a safe bet and sometimes that's the bet to take i don't know could be easy money here I mean, I read there's no such thing as a gimme, but this, this is a gimme. <laughs> yes, Dan, it is. And uh, as you listen to me, I, I listen to you as well. That was a terrific choice of bed last week, and I'm going to ride along with it for this week. I mean, they're just – they're probably – not that anybody, I would think, calculates it, or maybe they do. We just got to go out and find out. But 
this Browns team is amongst the best when it comes to opening script, when it comes to scripting their first seven to, to 12 plays in the first series of really the first quarter, first 10 minutes of the game. And it just kind of pains me because you just wish that they would have this mindset or even try to, you know, copy it when in a sense for the rest of the game. But no, we're going to go and set the tone and establish the pass before the run and get points up on the board and bring everybody's hopes up once again. So I'm going to go along with this and within them uh, being an opening script and being plus one. All right, there we go. Our prop bets for Sunday's game between the Browns and Bucks. We're going to have our picks coming up after the break. And yes, Doug Maurice, who is swamped with Ohio State, Michigan content creation this week. Uh, he is obviously not here on this podcast, but he did take the time, as you would expect, to send me his pick. You can probably guess who he picked in this game, but I will actually tell you who he picked on the other side. But first, we bring on Lance Reisland to give us his scouting report on the Buccaneers. Lance, how are you? Hey, Dan, how are you, bud? Oh, I'm doing well. Let's get right to it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, let's just start with uh, Jeremiah Wusukormo. I called him the elephant in the room. Tom Brady. Uh, maybe the the greatest to ever do it. Certainly the greatest winner at the position. What are you seeing from him at age forty five? Well, they're one two in a row, and he's kind of getting. Looks like they're kind of getting in a groove a little bit. You know, he, the training camp was a little bit uh, off for those guys, so I think they're kind of getting into the rhythm. Um, you know, the thing that really has always impressed me with Brady is his ability to check the ball down, and uh, with the Browns playing so much zone. Um, kind of plays into his strength, um, which is something I've kind of watched in, uh, over the last uh, couple hours in terms of he checks the ball down and gets rid of the ball so quick, it's going to be hard for the Browns to get pressure unless they bring it up in A, uh, a and B gap. But yeah, he's starting to hit his stride for sure. So when, when you look at that protection and when you look at pressure, obviously that was an issue coming into the year. They lost Ryan Jensen. They lost uh, some guys to free agent, to, to free agency does it look like their line has maybe solidified a little bit or, or that maybe he trusts it a little more? Yeah, they've gotten a lot better. Um, they were pretty good in their win, um, in their last two wins for sure. Uh, love Tristan Wirfs. I loved him coming out of the draft. But they're all kind of on the same page now. Uh, they're also doing some uh, – they're bringing extra linemen in that Josh Wells comes in at 72 at, at tight end, so they'll max protect with him as well. Uh, but his ability to get rid of the ball, I think he's starting to get into his own rhythm. So – um, he's very good at recognizing what he's seeing and getting rid of the ball. And then he's great in the pocket. He's not, obviously he's not a, a, not a runner, but his ability to make that first guy miss and find a hole in the pocket is uh, second to none. Um, and he's starting to do that really well right now. So let's talk a little bit about their weapons. Uh, I, I guess it probably starts with Mike Evans, right? Well, yeah, you know, they got Godwin Evans and, and Julio Jones and, and all of them, you know, Godwin last week had six Evans had five and Julio had three with a big touchdown. Um, so they're and then they got Leonard Fournette at running back, uh, and then uh, Rashad White had a big game. Uh, he had 22 carries for 105 yards. Uh, so, but when you talk about Fournette, Godwin, Evans, Jones, just like veteran guys who are still very good, uh, their ability to get open, um, they do. Uh, like I said, they kind of they're all on the same page now. So when they get in rhythm, it makes it very tough because Brady knows where they're going to be, um, and Julio Jones seems to be kind of coming into his own, kind of understanding his role and being really good in it. So. Yeah, they have a lot of guys who are older, but they, uh, they're still really playing at a high level. Who, who do you think is the scariest guy uh, of that group, especially among the pass catchers? Uh, it's Evans uh, for me because yeah. of his size and his ability to separate, and uh, he, he can run the whole route tree, so he can match up. They can put him in the slot, and he can get on a safety. Um, he can run the under routes. He can run the option routes. 
Uh, obviously, he's fantastic in the red zone, like I said. So for me, it's Evans. Uh, I think Godwin has always had uh, – before he got his knee hurt last year, a couple years ago, he was really, really good. Um, so he seems to be getting back into uh, uh, shape. But if you had to ask me – and then Julio Jones is just a, he's just an incredible athlete, so he's always scary. But the consistency where I think Brady likes to go uh, would be Evans for sure. Okay, so bad news for Browns fans and this Browns defense probably. We had Rick Stroud of the, of the Tampa Bay Times on a little bit earlier – and we saw this in Germany. This team is starting to run the football now. Uh, they're a team that mm-hmm. has thrown the ball a lot all year, but they're starting to turn to that run game. And a couple of Browns defenders even admitted it today. They're going to watch the film of this defense, and they're probably, they're probably going to keep trying to run the football. Well, yeah, and you're going to have to – I mean, you, you said it a couple weeks ago. I mean, we're, we're uh, more than halfway through the season, so the Browns are who they are defensively, and they're going to have to change it up in terms of getting people in the box – and kind of do what teams are doing to them in terms of not waiting, uh, not anticipating. Uh, I don't think they can hold up. Uh, I don't think those defensive tackles can hold, hold up and base uh, just being a forefront with those backers playing at four yards. They're going to have to press the issue. They're going to have to play more man coverage. They're going to have to get uh, Delpit, who I really like when he's down in the box anyway. Uh, they're going to have them get him down by the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to help um, that those defensive linemen and those linebackers. They're going to have to crowd line of scrimmage and, and press the issue for sure. Okay, I want to ask you about two defenders specifically, and let's let's start with Vita Vea, uh, big guy in the middle. Now he has a foot injury. We're, we're recording this on Wednesday. He did not practice on Wednesday. Todd Bowles indicated he's not cert- he's not sure if Vita Vea is going to play. If he plays, how big of a problem is he? Well, he's a big problem because they like to play that odd front. So he's going to be lined up over the center, and it seems like the Browns are having some issues at center as well with uh, injury. So he's. Uh, like you said, he's all of 340, all 350, so he's a load in there. Um, I think they're going to go, being that they're not front, they like to play not front, I, I can see them um, playing that tight front or that double eagle like the uh, Dolphins did and kind of taking away those double teams from the Browns uh, and making those guards in that center block one-on-one in their gap and their zone schemes. Um, he's a load, uh, but they're all you – know, Akeem Hicks, is. I loved him when he was with the Bears. He's a big, huge guy. Um that Joe Tryon Shokinwa, I'm not sure how you say his last name. He's long and athletic. Um, so he runs sideline to sideline. And then obviously Devin White and Levante uh, David are really good inside. White's just fantastic on film. And then the other guy, Antoine Winfield uh, Jr., a guy that obviously folks from this area know very well. Um, a guy that went a pick after Grant Delpit <laughs> maybe stings just a little bit for Browns fans, but uh, it, it he's been so good, really, just going back to his rookie year. And, you know, Rick was telling us earlier that they're actually using him at times as sort of a big nickel now now mm-hmm. and again. What are you seeing out of uh, out of Winfield? Well, you can definitely use him a big nickel. He's a great tackler. He's a big guy, strong. Um, he is really good at recognizing he is a film watcher. There is no question about it because he is very good at recognizing what he's seeing on down and distance, uh, what the formation is, uh, the strength of the formation, who he has to help on. Uh, He does a great job of keeping things in front of him, Um, but his route recognition and his ability to um, understand what the offense is trying to doing based on the down and distance uh, is very impressive. And he's very physical. Uh, He gets involved in the run game. Um, He's definitely a leader back there. And I like that Mike Edwards too. Mike Edwards to me is a, is a grand Delpit guy. He's uh, there's some vulnerabilities and coverage with him, uh, but he likes to tackle. He likes to come off the edge, but Winfield is definitely the, uh, he's the overall leader uh, of that secondary for sure. I've got to say, when I hear you talk about this defense, and Todd Bowles, of course, 
you know, a really great defensive coordinator. Um, I, I actually really liked what he did as a head coach in New York, considering mm-hmm. that situation. Uh, but obviously a great defensive coordinator as well, uh, coaching the Bucks now. It sounds like you really like this defense. Oh, I do. And I think once again, I, you know, I'm not either veteran guys. So sometimes those veteran teams take a while to get going. Uh, and like, you know, it's a long season, 17 games. So I, I feel like they, they're kind of getting into their, uh, um, kind of their groove. Uh, but for me, Devin White is the, he's the ringleader. So you have Winfield in the back, you have Vita Vey up front, and then you got David and White, uh, you know, in, inside, especially with White. So they're really good at all three levels. They got a vocal guy at all three levels, a guy that communicates at all three levels, uh, a guy, guys that are consistent at all three levels. They see, they play very well with each other. They have great run fits. Very, uh, very rarely do you see gaping holes with them. Uh, those big guys inside, I've said it before, they, uh, they take on blockers and, and they let White and David run free all the time. Okay, so uh, here we go. Time to make your pick for Sunday Browns and Bucks at First Energy Stadium. Well, for me, it comes down to it starts with the inability for the Browns to stop the run. They have to stop the run. If they do that, you know, maybe the game will be different. Uh, Buccaneers are in an odd front. I want to see the Browns be able to block an odd front. That was tough for them against the Dolphins. Uh, I said earlier in the podcast, I, you know, the Browns play a lot of zone, and if they play their zone and they get too deep in their drops – uh, Brady will nickel and dime them all the way down the field. So I want to make sure, you know, you want to make sure that they can, you know, kind of stay connected and not give up those easy four and seven and eight yards. Um, he gets rid of the ball so quickly. So unless they do something with Garrett in terms of bringing him A or B gap, it's going to really be hard to get pressure. Um, I think the Browns will play well. I think the, uh, you know, the weather actually helps Tampa Bay. It doesn't seem like it's going to be too cold. Um, I just don't think they're going to be able to stop the run. And I think Tom Brady's getting into his groove, but I think it's going to be a close game. I got the Buccaneers 23-20. Okay, there we go. Lance Reisland, his scouting report on the Buccaneers. Uh, you can read his work at cleveland.com slash Browns, of course, uh, as well. We're going to take a break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And then on the other side, uh, we're going to make our picks as well. Lance, thanks for the time. As always, Dan, thank you. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks, Lance Reisland, as always, for that scouting report. Let's do it. It's time to make our picks for this week. The Browns and Buccaneers first energy stadium, really a gigantic game for both teams. The Browns not technically in must. I'm sitting next to Mary Kay. So I have to say this, maybe I need to whisper this. It's a <laughs> must win most likely for the Browns. Uh, the Bucks fighting in the really just brutal NFC South, just full of bad teams. They uh, are trying to win that division, uh, which you know, it's there for the taking if they can string together some wins. So, time to make our picks for this game. Let's see here. We're going to start with... I'm going to save Doug. We're going to start with Irie. Ah, oh, God. All right. I get, I get to start it off. Wonderful. I was kind of saying going back and forth with this, actually, because amongst the previous couple of matchups to where, you know, I could get banned for saying the Browns on, on, on this pod... This is slightly more than an even match than people I think would believe. And so because of that, I'm going to choose the Browns. This is not a sense of me getting my hopes up. This is not a sense of me thinking that this is a turning point. This is just a sense of going out with a bang for Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback who multiple times has been brought in you know, to be the starting quarterback for a team after a weird, interesting situation from footballs deflating to a quarterback retiring two weeks before the season to this. 
So I see why not with with the, with the him going out with the bang, having a nice game. This unit going back to their strong suits that relate to Reset, not trying to do anything completely different. Along with them being at home and stuff, maybe that that can bring their you know energy and hopes up a bit. And uh, I do see this game being a bit more not like I said earlier, not that big of a fluid game within the Aldas, more so on the ugly side, but still great enough to where both teams get within the twenties. And that's why my final score is going to be 23 Browns in the Bucks 20. Okay, so 23, 20 Browns. Uh, just so everyone knows, I forgot to mention this off the top. The Browns are underdogs. They're home underdogs. Uh, the Bucks are favored by three and a half. The total on this, and again, this is all as of Wednesday about six o'clock. The total on this game is 43. So, Ira, you've, you've got it hitting right on that total. And, of course, you're, you're picking the Browns to win. Ashley? What are you picking? So it's funny because my score is almost identical to Irie's. However, I just keep thinking the way this defense is for, for as much as I, I totally agree with all the intangibles that, that Irie said, you know, about it being Jacoby Brissett's last game. Um, that would probably be the one reason I, I would pick it, but I just keep thinking of like the football tangibles, like the Bucks have won their last two games. They're coming in off a of bye week. Tom Brady is a quarterback that can just pick this defense apart. I think the Browns at center, who knows who's going to be the Browns center at this point, they might get helped, you know, by the fact that B to V didn't practice, but if he does play on Sunday, this is the wrong game to not have your starting center because he is huge and is going to be a problem and has six and a half sacks. Like Mary Kay said, um, everything tangible is telling me the bucks are going to win this game like stats wise so that's what i'm going to pick 24 20 so just at the the over right dan um and yep. then right around that that three and a half bucks are, the bucks are favored by <laughs> um but yeah i just keep i i can't do it you know the browns are just in in such a a rep right now and maybe this is one of those weird games we you know i always joke i never know what's going to happen i've been bad at picking games this year um, but I, I just am leaning towards Tampa Bay right now. Yeah, so so that's Tampa to cover. That's uh, just slight over there uh, for Ashley. Respect, I'm, respect. Again, I'm I'm on a hot streak here. I got my second game right against the spread last week against Buffalo. So I'm like two seven and one. I, does that even add up? Good job, it, it been, I didn't I didn't notice that. Good for you. Yeah, it's been bad. It's been very. <laughs> Very bad for me picking games for the Browns against the spread. Proud of you, bro. <laughs> so I think I'm sort of in the same camp as Ashley on this. I think there Uh-oh. are things there that tell me, yes, I could see the Browns winning this game. First of all, I don't want to overrate the Bucks. They are still a five and five football team, right? They, you know, we had Rick Stroud on earlier and he basically said they played five good quarters at, at this point at, just those five quarters have been all in a row here leading into this game. So this isn't like the Super Bowl champion Bucks of 2020 or even the team last year that, that was really good. So I don't want to overrate them. But and, and I do think there's something to the idea of these guys really like Jacoby Brissett. And there's going to be some emotional there's going to be an emotional pull there. There's going to be this desire to want to go win a game, you know, send Jacoby out on a high note. But. I can't. I just can't get past the idea that 
even Brown's defenders are are saying it. Like I said earlier, teams are just going to test this run defense over and over and over again until they prove they can stop it. And Tom Brady is still really good. And he's going to be able to recognize things at the line. He's going to be able to change into runs. They're going to just have called runs. I, I just don't trust this run defense. My instinct initially this week was to pick the Buccaneers, so I'm going to stick with that. Said the Browns will get over that 19 and a half. I, I don't want to land in the same spot as Ashley and Irie, I guess, so I'll go a little bit higher, but neither of these offenses are, are particularly high scoring. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to say I am going to land sort of right, right in that spot. I'm going to say 23-21 Tampa in this game. So the Browns cover, but the Bucks win. And I think that's the over, if my math is correct. So yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a slight over as well. Mary Kay, do you want me to read Doug's first or do you want um, to go? Yeah, ahead? go ahead, read Doug's first. All right, Doug is thinking the same thing as uh, Ashley and me. His pick is Tampa 26 and the Browns 21, noting that 26 would be Tampa's second highest point total of the season. So there you go. There's Doug's pick. All right, Mary Kay, you're up. That's interesting because I wrote down here (laughs) 26-21. It's true. Can confirm. As my score. Wow. But I'll change it. Yeah. But I'll I'll change it up and go. um, I'm going to pick the Bucs. I'm going to pick the Bucs just because, you know, once again, it's Tom Brady. It's Tom Mm -hmm. Brady. And I'm so old school with Tom Brady. I still think of him as being 30 years old and not 45. <laughs> you know? I still think of him as being invincible. And the last uh, game that I watched him play, uh, you know, he, he's, he did some really cool things once again. And uh, I just feel like he's going to be, he's going to come here and he's going to be the Tom that I remember. And I was asking Rick Stroud about, him and where his mental state is. And he said he's in a good place emotionally after going through uh, this divorce. He thinks he's gotten it back together and he thinks he's, you know, he's himself again and he's confident. And when you think about the receivers that they have, I mean, when you just say the names, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Julio Jones, right? Um, We don't know if Greg Newsom is going to be back yet from his concussion. And, you know, I think that that could be also somewhat of a factor. I've got the Bucks winning this one 27-23, covering and winning. Okay, a lot of Bucks love. Can I here. Dan, can Go I ahead, just say Ash. something too really like that that played into me me picking the Bucks and again maybe maybe on Friday when we're doing our video and stuff I'll I'll change my pick if if something happens uh injury wise, but I just kept thinking, like, obviously Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are so intertwined in a lot of people's minds, including mine. And and that Patriots game, it was very similar. Like, there was a lot of things telling me, hey, the Patriots and Belichick are probably going to take advantage of this. But I I kind of went with, uh, I don't know, maybe the the Browns are the better team. They have a, you know, Bailey Zappi playing quarterback. Um, But... Like those instincts were those that gut feeling or whatever. I should have listened to it then, so that's why I'm listening to it now. And I, I think just the mentality, just two very similar guys who are intertwined in my mind. So I'm not willing to make the same mistake I did when they played the Patriots. And like you know, even though I, you know, I said I don't want to overrate the Bucks. I don't want to pretend this is like the Bucks yeah. from the Super Bowl year. Tom Brady is still really good. Mm-hmm. Like. 
he's, you know, this isn't like Peyton Manning his last year in Denver or Ben his last year in Pittsburgh. I mean, Tom Brady can still play. And I've said it before on this pod. Rick said it earlier. Tom Brady knows this is when this is it. This is this is the time. Like Thanksgiving, this is when you got to get it together. And a few years ago, the Bucks came out of their late bye week and they turned it on. And that's the other part of this too: is the Bucks coming off a bye and Tom Brady coming off a bye? I think will be more effective than the Browns have been coming off of their bye. So the only case I could make for the Browns was the emotional. And this is obviously assuming Vita Vea plays because he does change he does change things on the in the run game a lot, but the only case I could make was the emotional one. And I guess I'm just not willing to put enough weight behind that um, in this particular game. Okay, that'll do it. Our orange and brown talk Browns Bucks preview pod. Uh, Thanks to Rick Stroud for joining us earlier to tell us all about the Buccaneers. Thanks to Lance Reisland for his scouting report. Thanks to Doug for texting in his pick. For Mary Kay, Ashley, and Irie, I'm Dan. Thanks to all of you for listening.